welcome again to another episode of The Devil's Due. I am your host, Carl Duty, and with me, as always, is a man who once beat the Eye of Thundera in a staring contest, Mr. Drew Celestino. That's, that's good. It's good. It's you accurate. Like it? Hi. Yeah. How you doing? I'm okay. I'm a little, I'm a little under the weather. Yeah, uh, you're looking a little, uh, a little less than mint. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very fine. <laughs> you're very, you're very fine. Yeah, not, you're, not quite good. You're out of box. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm about a. 5.5, maybe a 6 oh. at a CGC level. Oh, that's rough. Well, all right, maybe a 7. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm uh, fighting a, a summer cold that I got uh, this week. The worst. They are the worst. They're terrible. Absolutely terrible. So you just arrived. I, I literally just awoke from a nap, like, before you walked in the door. So, righty. Here we are. Let it not be said that Drew's not a man of action, and when called upon, can summon the inner resources of Wolverine himself to get the job done. Uh, I wish I had that kind of healing prowess, but that'd be nice. It would. That would be nice. I do what I can. So how was your week, sir? Oh, uh, good. We both kind of had a week. By all means, you go first. Well, let's see. Based on the last episode of the fine program that we produce here, uh, we've both been to New York and now we're back. And then a week has transpired since then, roughly. A legitimate week. Uh, five, five working days. Yes. Uh, so those were inconsequential for me because I've been fighting this, unfortunately, this cold. Um, so, you know, but the weekend was fantastic. Uh, New York City, great as always. Uh, spent uh, my time there in different locales than I normally would. So uh, spent my first evening uh, out in Queens. 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 <laughs> um, out at the uh, Single Cut Brewery. Um, they're a great brewery out in Queens and, uh, I've had their beers locally here in Buffalo and all their beers are, um, guitar slash rock and roll themed. Even the name of the brewery single cut is a, uh, generic term for a Les Paul style guitar. So com- that combined with some of their, uh, their beer names like the, um, the half stack, the full stack, the, uh, TNT bonbon, um, the 18 watt, it, it, I, it didn't fully dawn on me until I put all that together. Like, oh, these guys are rock and roll guys. <laughs> and um, they've become kind of a favorite of mine. And I found out they found out that they were in Queens. So I made it a point to go out there to see them. And uh, yeah, great, great stuff from the source. And awesome. then we uh, went to dinner at a Greek place in a Greek neighborhood a few blocks from the brewery um, in a heavily nice. Greek area of Queens. Uh, I myself am quarter greek it kind of my grandmother is fully greek so i guess that makes me like a quarter greek it's complicated but uh got my got my greek on and uh it was great and then saturday um was uh as you know the big brooklyn day Ooh, brooklyn. so uh i indulged in um some uh oh wait. i, I, think I the indulged. Dogs realize i'm here yes they did they, unfortunately they missed my entrance they missed your grand entrance um, I had a uh, a German uh, burger at a German place in Brooklyn, a stone's throw from the Barclays Center. What defines a German burger? Uh, it was a German restaurant, and it was the only thing that was not like uh, schnitzel or uh, sausage of some kind. Ah, I was I okay. was I wasn't feeling up for the schnitzel or sausage, so I got a burger. It was good. So what you're saying is you didn't give a schnitz? Uh, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Um, it was good. Um, 
beers came large. Uh, well, it's a German place. So <laughs> we, we, around. we ended up uh, drinking liters of beer before uh, going to the, the show, which was nice. That was a nice, nice pick-me-up before, before the event. <laughs> and then we went to the Barclays Center for NXT TakeOver 2. But TakeOver Brooklyn 2, that, that is proper. Second year running in Brooklyn, which was great. Fantastic night. And uh, as expected, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura defeated Samoa Joe to become the NXT champion. Shinsuke! Now you got to do it like the Japanese uh, women in front row in New Japan. Uh, they, it's very strange but because Japanese crowds are very quiet. But the Japanese fangirls throughout the entire match, constant. Shinsuke! Shinsuke! I'm, through, I'm, through the whole match. Just one at a time. Every, you're just dead silent. Uh, Shinsuke! I, I'm neither Japanese nor a girl, so can I do I've that? I've noticed. I have a question for you. Uh-huh. Um, you being the, the wrestling uh, fan that you are, do you know, because obviously you have news sources and outlets to go to for stuff like this, do you know the potential outcome of the matches before you're going into them? Um... Like, Only, had you known it was decided that Samoa Joe was going to retain title, would you still have gone? Uh, then I probably would not have gone. Okay. But outcome-wise, educated guesses. Um, you never really know for sure. You can guess. You can yeah. guess based on a lot of different things. Um, like, if a guy... Case in point. Um, for the longest time, John Cena was the United States champion. And then this was this is going back like a year or so now, maybe maybe longer. Yeah. And everyone knew that he was going to be taking time off to go film a reality TV show. Well, as the United States champion, you, as a, a belt holder, generally you don't take time off. You, the, the belt has to be held by someone on TV, yeah. and then being defended on the road at the house shows, as they call them, mm-hmm. untelevised shows. So everyone knew that he was going to be dropping it at a certain event. They just didn't know who it was going to be. And it ended up be, being a returning to the company, uh, Alberto Del Rio. Um, and he got a hot pop for it. Um, and then Cena lost. And then Del Rio didn't really do anything, which was a shame. But, you know, yeah, you, you just educated guesses. That's all it really is. Cool. But the show was good, though. The show was good. Show it was good. No, you didn't go to SummerSlam that I know. No, after. and I, after watching SummerSlam, I'm very glad I did not go to yeah, SummerSlam. Yeah, I heard some, there was some controversy, and eh. strangely enough, I heard it mostly from ESPN, which well, I still don't understand. I was it's called a working relationship, my I friend. I was discussing this with my friend Jim, I'm like, listen, I recognize, like I've said on the show before, I recognize wrestling as a performance art. Mm-hmm. Um, it is theater. It is, but it's it also is. athletic. Yeah, well, no, I'm not. I'm not taking away the, any of the athleticism from it. They are athletes in what they are doing. Mm-hmm. I will never say wrestling is fake, right? But it doesn't belong on ESPN. I don't know that it doesn't. Bl- I, I don't know. I'm I'm fine with it. Like, like if the outcomes weren't predetermined, I'd say sure, why not cover it? But since everything is nope. scripted, eh, I just it's one of those things. I'm just like. This shouldn't be on here. Yeah. I think ESPN's kind of overcompensating for not uh, buying into UFC. And they're looking for that kind of niche audience thing that can fill that gap. Because Fox is running wild with U- UFC. Maybe, but it, again, it doesn't really bother me. Um, yeah. No, I know. I just make an observation. Fair as enough. A, as a lay person in the wrestling parlance. 
I don't consider ESPN to be very legitimate either. So they kinda, oh they've been they've been on the decline for years now. Yeah, I mean to me, if it wasn't for the NFL, they I mean they're hemorrhaging talent. Yeah, I no one really I don't know ESPN to me is just, it's a, it's a charade. It's it's a, it's all a big joke. I mean, do you think Adam Schefter is credible? Like. Guy's a joke. The guys, Darren, Darren Ravel. These are these are cartoon characters. They're as cartoon. They are as cartoon characters as anybody you'll see in WWE. <laughs> but back to uh, SummerSlam. Yeah, uh, not controversial. Eh, I guess it, it was a it was a bad card. Well, actually, that's not true. The matches that they did book should have been good. They were not, and uh, there were a couple. Uh, John Cena versus AJ Styles. Uh, AJ Styles went over clean as a baby's bum um which was shocking but good very good aj deserves it um went over meaning one he, okay. he beat john cena clean right. um and i was very unexpected um there's there's it's complicated but there's a there's a pattern to john cena if new guys who come in and, and win against john cena will win the first time then can see they'll proceed to lose every other encounter after that so you know Basically, Cena always looks good. He always looks strong. So what happened was when John or when AJ Styles came into the company uh, about six months ago now, maybe nine months ago now, he went over John Cena in his first match against him. And then everyone went like, well, oh, oh, no, here we go again. So then the next match, Cena won. So this was their third match. And I'm like, well, here we go. No, AJ won. And not only did he win, he looked strong winning. So cool. that's good. That means uh, the company has faith in AJ Styles, which they should because the guy is incredible. Um, and then there was a really underwhelming title match between uh, Dean Ambrose and Dolph Ziggler. Totally terrible, terrible match. But the thing is, the order of the matches made absolutely no sense. So, like, I'm kind of an old school. Not really. I'm, that's a weird. I'm of the belief, that is, that title matches should close out shows. Always. Yeah. Always. Yeah. It's the title. It's the important thing. Well, they put... Dean Ambrose, the champion, against Dolph Ziggler, like in the middle of the card. Like right in the middle of the, of the night. Uh, okay. So then they were going to crown a new champion, because now there's two shows, Raw and SmackDown. They have a champion on each. So this just happened. The brand split, as they call it, just happened recently, where they split the roster between the shows. Mm. The title ended up going to SmackDown, Dean Ambrose being the champion. Raw was announcing, and def- for the first time, being contested was the new WWE Universal Championship between uh, Seth Rollins and Finn Balor. Finn Balor is amazing. He just came up from NXT. He's been a New Japan standout. He was the face of NXT, as in the guy that was like the face of the company for the last 18 months. Yeah, Tremendous guy, great talent. Um, so he finally got called up to Raw to, to face Seth Rollins for the championship. He won! Great! The match was good, too, but there's a problem. The problem was the belt design was terrible. So Did it have the Universal Studios logo on it? That might have been... Was the Universal title? Might have been better. So, like, when you put it on, do you hear that? That might have been better. Unfortunately, they just got a red strap version of the belt they already have, and it looks terrible. It looks like it's a fruit roll-up. So this is a silly reason to poo-poo the match because the match was quite good, but they like they unveiled the title before before the match and no one had seen it before, and it was kind of a hostile Brooklyn crowd that had been watching five hours of wrestling prior to that point, and it was not a good show. So they were just looking for any reason to kind of like let loose, let loose a little bit, and they did, and it was a shame. 
Mm. But the, to, to close the show, you had the, the finger quotes controversial match between Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton. And um, I guess it Brock was, eh, forgot eh. to, you know, not kill him. No, here's the thing. Brock has been booked as like this godlike monster for a long time now. And it's honestly, it's boring. It's to me, it's at a point now where he doesn't even he doesn't even like, as we say, work. He doesn't go in and put work in. He just shows up, looks strong, suplexes guys and leaves like that's it. He doesn't he doesn't care. He doesn't care, frankly, like he looks lazy. It looks boring because he knows he's got, you know, UFC right in his back pocket. Yeah. So. The match was very bland and predictable, and then the, the the finish is what was controversial. So, there's been a no blood rule in WWE for a, for a while now. What? Yeah. Um, basically, they just don't the show the the t- weekly TV shows have been finger quotes what they call PG. Okay, so no blood. Yeah, but blood's all. a time honored tradition you in know, wrestling. It is the but, razor blade and the wristband and whatnot. Nope, I mean, no, 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 not anymore. Can't do that anymore. So there's well, there's there there's valid reasons why. Not on top of the reason that it's a PG show and they don't want to see it, but also um, there was a hepatitis scare some years back with uh, a talent who bled all over the Undertaker and didn't disclose that he had hepatitis. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I can see it from that. He didn't contract hepatitis from it, but it was kind of a thing. Well, yeah. And frankly, though, but but to, to be honest, though, it is more for appearances than it is for. Uh, Safety. Health reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, WWE, not for nothing, but a lot of the things they do and they claim are for health reasons. It's more for uh, PR reasons. It's gotcha. So never, never be fooled by their, um, never be fooled by WWE's spin machine. Even their charitable things are not charity. They're look at us doing nice things. Give us money thing. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway. So a razor blade to the head off camera where then you, you know, as a blade job, as they call it, and then you, you know, you get up and you're bleeding all over. Like, oh, he's busted open from the shots or yeah. whatever. That would have been preferable because what ended up happening is Brock legitimately started punching Randy Orton in the face, in the head, like legit. And this was the planned finish of the match. And if I were Randy Orton, I would have been like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but Randy Orton's a tough, tough guy, I guess. And he said, okay, sure. But it was dumb. Now, it wasn't the punches that busted him open. In MMA, it isn't. It's if you're a fighter, it is known that if you can elbow a guy, and in, in in the head and the, where the skin is yeah. thin and soft, you can you can bust someone open that way. Mm-hmm. So Brock did. He laid an elbow into Randy's head and he busted him open badly, Ooh. hard way as they call it, and he gushed bad. Like it was probably the most blood I've seen on WWE TV in mm, years. <laughs> yeah, I'll say years. Wow. Pretty bad. And then, you know, they stopped the match, and he was declared the winner by TKO, and he left, and it was it was all very strange. It was yeah. a very underwhelming show. It was an underwhelming finish to an underwhelming show. Hmm. But I watched that from the comfort of my couch. I got home Sunday evening, ah. so it was all good. I didn't have to worry about that. NXT so, the night before was fantastic. Yeah. Every, every match was delivered. It was great. It was a great night of wrestling. Oh. Not a full great weekend of wrestling, unfortunately. But I'm glad to hear that your trip to New York was eventful. Midtown Comics, though? Did not make it. Did not make no, it. I did not do much in the city proper, to be honest. Not not much at yeah, all. That's cool. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, cool. your, your New York experience? My New York experience Staten was, Island? was pretty awesome. We, we went down to Staten Island. First road trip with the baby. Um, baby performed admirably. 
on the road. Had very little problems with him whatsoever. He added about two hours to the trip. Oh, boy. So that was a that's a good eight, nine-hour trip. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Um, but thanks to the... Do uh, you use the Waze app at all? I don't. It's fantastic. Okay. Because, like, at one point in our trip, we were coming up on construction, and Waze directed us off the throughway as the construction was started and got us right back on throughway just as it ended. Oh, nice. It was fantastic. Very so, good. yeah, highly recommend it for your navigational needs. And if you guys want to sponsor us, that's cool, too. Hey. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we got there. Uh, we got there Friday night. The ceremony was uh, 12 noon the next Saturday and was fantastic. It was. I was really happy that they could have a ceremony of that caliber because uh, they didn't. They weren't able to have it the first time around. Okay. So uh, Manny and Vicky, William's godparents, and their daughter Natalie, my goddaughter, um, they all looked fantastic. It was a great, great time. I uh, got to catch up with an old friend from college, Simone. Cool. Which is always great. Uh, yeah, so that went on. I did not. I was kind of toying with the idea of going to Red Bank, mm-hmm. but William was kind of having a teething day that day. Ooh. So I'm like, mm, one hour drive there, one hour drive back. Probably not yeah. the best idea. No. Leaving the wife alone in a hotel room with a teething baby. But we did uh, go to, we wanted to grab something to eat, but we didn't want to order room service. We kind of treated ourselves to room service the first night. It was a really nice hotel, so you can imagine what room service was. Awesome. I had a phenomenal uh, filet mignon and trimmings. That was expensive. (laughs) But well worth the money. Yeah. Um, So we went out and found a uh, pizza place. And in the process, like like I mentioned before, whenever I travel, I try to find a local comic shop. Found a local comic shop that was right next to a pizza place. Uh, it was called Comic Book Jones. Oh. Very nice shop. Not outrageously huge, but very well organized, very clean. Uh, really good shop. And I found that uh, T-shirt that I sent you the picture and I posted on our Facebook page. Yeah, Nelson and Murdoch. Yes. T-shirt. I was like, oh, we're getting this. Yoink. And um, I got a Hero Bear and the Kid trade paperback because i'd given my previous two away to kids even though i love that book uh so yeah and then we uh ran some weather on the way back yeah so yeah that was kind of that was kind of rough but all right that was a really good trip uh manny and vicky should be getting back actually either tonight or tomorrow from their uh honeymoon in puerto rico wow did the shining stars get them a good deal the what it's a wrestling thing don't ask <laughs> the less you know about them, the better. Let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, they they were posting pictures all the time. They had a great time. I'm really happy for them. Um, now we're just uh, kind of in prep mode for big barbecue tomorrow at yes. our place. Yes, you are. Yeah, Annual yeah. duty queue. Yeah. It'll be a good time. I will bring my appetite. Better. We're going to have a crap ton of food. And a dish of some kind. Cool. Obviously, I'll bring something. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. That was my week weeks all right we got a show to get to we do we talk so much like wrestling for a show that's i know we gotta wrestling. pump we gotta pump the brakes <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time like uh, people are probably going like why are you talking so much wrestling i can't deny the man his passion i hope it comes across in the show and it's at least somewhat interesting enough to be like okay i don't know entirely what he's talking about but he's really into it and it's it sounds interesting. I, yeah, I hope it's my, not, my hope is that. It's not like you're going mouth breather about the show or anything. It's just like you're... My, my advice in life, never go mouth breather. Yeah. You're, Wait, you're, 
it's something that you have a legitimate passion on. I don't want to shut that down at all. I appreciate that. I appreciate the time. Dear listeners, if you would like to share your passions with us or contact us or find out about the show or send us some questions, which we do have and we will get to momentarily, yes. you can contact us at Twitter. You can follow us at the at Devil's Due Pod. You can search Devil, the Devil's Due on Facebook or go to Facebook.com slash Devil's Due Pod. You can also email us at the Devil's Due Pod at gmail.com. Drew, I am astonished. Of how active our email account has been. Go on. Like, we're getting emails fairly regularly. I'm I'm very okay with this. We're not getting a ton of emails. Now, granted, the, uh, the automated Russian prostitutes who like our comments on Twitter yes. all the time don't email us, but that's okay. That's okay. Because we got some awesome listeners who email us some questions. Very good. Uh, we got two different listeners this week who sends in questions. And the first one is a Mr. Dan Harbon. I know him. Dan's questions are, would you recast any of the actors in Daredevil or Jessica Jones? Uh, top of my head, between the two shows, I would say the only character I would recast would be the gentleman who played Nuke in Jessica Jones. That's it. Other than that, everyone's spot on. I would probably say no, that I wouldn't recast anyone. I think Daredevil is stellar yep, casting. Definitely. I don't have enough familiarity with the characters in Jessica Jones to say they're going right or wrong either way. I thought so. everyone but Nuke was good. Nuke, unfortunately, was... Uh, he came off more as like a uh, a sleazeball, whereas in the comics, he's more he's more unhinged, uh, crazy soldier guy. Yeah, he definitely got unhinged as the show went He did, on. but he still kind of came across a little, little too scrawny and a little too... He didn't go the full Nicholson in The Shining, is what you're saying. No, it's hard to describe, but I just... Yeah, Nuke, they could have they could have did better with Nuke, but for what they did, I guess he was fine. Okay. But I would have preferred something better. Dan's second question is, has Marvel made any casting mistakes in their movie universe? If mm. so, what would be your choices? That is a little bit deeper. I think Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark is terrible. Oh. <laughs> you know, the guy, that the, the guy that the, the whole cornerstone of the whole <laughs> company? Yeah, bad call, man. Yeah. Um. No, I don't I don't think so, honestly. Like I'm trying to think of something that was just like off or wrong, but as I sit here, I No, it's Yeah, I think for It's all me, good, man. Marvel's really good at the casting and it, I think I think both Marvel and DC have have spot on hit their casting. Couldn't their tell films. you about DC, but Marvel for sure. Um I think for me as far as Marvel goes, for the Spider-Man they wanted to do, they, yeah. they cast it right. Yeah. For the Spider-Man they should have done, I definitely would have. Define should have. Um, Spider-Man. Ah, I, I, yeah, okay. Well, he's going to grow He's gonna grow up to yeah, be Spider-Man. No, I, get, I get that. And again, this is I've said it before, my preferred Spider-Man is Spider-Man I grew up with, which yeah. is like post-college, you know, late, mid to late 20s, early 30s. Well, slight spoiler alert. Um, if he gets a three movie deal spinning out of all of this, he, he's going to get there. Yeah. I know the plan is to do like, <laughs> they're going to Harry Potter and do each movie as a year in school. Yeah. Um, 
and that's fine. Like I said, for the Spider-Man they were trying to do, they nailed it. Um, I'm going to say something that might be a little heresy here. Oh, boy. I like Chris Evans as Captain America. You are you are treading... I know. I know. Some very, very shaky ground here. Uh, you know, I can't say that I would recast him because I can't think of anyone who would fill the role right. immediately off the top of my head. Um, but I think that if they were going to announce a recast, um, if they said they were recasting him, I would be I would be cautious to see who they were recasting before I light the torches to throw them at the... Uh, I would say when they announced him, I was apprehensive. I was but too. He is and then I so... saw that first picture of him, like, built up, like, ripped. Yeah. I was like, all right. Not, it's not just the physique, though. He He's so earnest. He sells Cap's earnesty so yeah, well really does. that I can't imagine anybody else in the role. He's really, he really, really won me over. And the more I see, the more I, the movies that he's in, the more he plays Cap, the more he is Cap. Like, that, yeah. dude, he's, that's Cap. I, th- I think, um, I think the stench of Fantastic Four was still on him a little bit. You know, I, I think by now, obviously it's gone. It's long yeah, gone. No, it has. So no, I um I think Marvel did, did, did a tremendous job. Yeah. I I can't uh, I can't really think of anybody and go like oh they should have did this or that. No, they they did well. They have cast well. Awesome. Moving on to our next set of viewer questions, we are revisited once again by our dear friend Mr. JJ Alcimino, oh. who has sent in a set of questions again. A couple for you, a couple for me. Would you like to ask or be asked first? Ooh, ask me, Drew. Yes. This is from Jay. Can I borrow a feeling? Can I borrow a feeling? That it's got your picture on the front. <laughs> uh, no. Can you no. loan me a cup of love? <laughs> Hurting hearts need some healing. Oh, God. Take my hand with your glove of love. Oh, God. That's That's a no. <laughs> No, you can't. You can't? No. All right. <laughs> Get your own feelings. <laughs> Sleeping in your race car bed. Oh, blessings, sir. Thank you. He's two for two. Oh. I, it, I'm, I'm spreading the disease, apparently. I'm sorry. Uh, I can't be sick for tomorrow. Uh, Tough it out, sir. Jay's second question to you. Who wins? A, and this is a good question, actually. Who wins in a fight? Gutter from PCU. <laughs> okay. Or Fulton Reed from the Mighty Ducks. Fulton Reed. Really? You're going that quick on it. Dude, is he, he's a Mighty Duck. He is a Mighty Duck, but I think Gutter's got the age and size on him. Yeah, but he's a Mighty Duck. I, my, dude. Damn you if you've made me sick. I, I, you've been here for 30 minutes. Uh, yeah, but he's a, he's a duck. Give it to the Ducks. All right. Okay. That's your question, so it's your answer. I'm not going to dispute it now for, for my question, sir. Okay, Carl. <laughs> oh, Jay's great. Okay. <laughs> so, first question. Okay. How much better is Shinsuke Nakamura at life than everyone than any than anyone else ever? Hmm. I like that he asks you this question. Yeah, yeah, cuz you know, Shinsuke is the truth. <laughs> um, he's one can argue he's certainly better in life than me. <laughs> okay. But at the same time, you know, I'm I'm happy with my life. 
it's quite possible. I I can't lie. There is definitely a possibility. The answer to that is yes. He is better. How much better is the question? Um, if you could put a percentage on it, I'm going to say twelve percent. Twelve percent better. Twelve percent better than everyone else in life. Quite possibly. I I would need to do more scientific research. That's fair. Chemical analysis. You know, data crunching. All right. Next question. Better Bruce Wayne, George Clooney, or that kid crying in Batman Begins? I'm going to say Clooney. Okay. I'm going to say Clooney on the potential of, like, if you take Joel Schumacher out of the equation, Clooney would have made a good Batman. Um, I think for that time in his career... He he would have made a good Batman. He made a good Bruce Wayne. Oh, he made a fantastic Bruce Wayne. Sometimes that's he the has, harder role to play. Because well, he has that rich guy Yeah, he's got thing that swagger down. down. But I don't buy George Clooney in a fight of any kind. I don't know. Not buying it. All right. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> so, yeah. Th- thank you, guys, for the questions. Yeah, thank you for the questions. Bow me. Send, more. Send us more questions. We will answer your questions on the air. Tell people about the show, please. Friends, uh, when you see us post that new episode is up, please share that post. Please retweet it. Get the word out about the show. Our fan base is growing. Our subscribers are growing. Really happy about that. We want to keep the momentum going on the show and build something really awesome here. That is correct. That being said, I don't think we really have any news or reviews or anything else to go over this week, so we can get right down to the business. Yes. Uh, the, the business of, Dare, of Daredevil. Of Daredevil. Is. Yes. That being said... Look at that. The papers are out. The notes are out. Let us start what is really an awesome episode. A good episode. Yes. Yeah. Um, I feel we say that every week. I feel it's getting kind of cliche. Can we just assume that, you know, 95% of these episodes are awesome? Next week, I'm, gonna t- I'm just going to open up saying, this episode sucked. All right. That's fair. Even though it won't. That'll be a yeah. lie. But, you know. I think. I got to break this... it up for the show, you know. Yeah. Um. This episode, episode nine, entitled Speak of the Devil, I think this episode is the deep breath before the plunge into kind of the dash to the end of the series. Okay. I think everything really sort of moves fully towards the climax of the series in these next couple episodes. Okay. So, this episode opens up with a moment that, okay, we set the stage for it. Marvel movies. We were just discussing them. Yeah. My wife, Julie, loves to go to Marvel films. She likes Daredevil. She likes... She was okay with Jessica Jones. Uh, She really liked Daredevil. One thing that drives her crazy when we go to the movies is when something very comic geek is only going to get happens... And I start jumping up and down in my chair and shaking her arm and being like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Like in Guardians of the Galaxy when the Celestials showed up yeah. for that brief moment. Yeah. Or in Captain America Winter Soldier when the dude's rattling off the names and he says Stephen Strange. Yeah. Yeah. Moments like that. Yeah. This episode opens up with a moment where all comic geeks who are familiar with Daredevil started jumping up and down going, ooh, ooh, ooh. Right, right, right. And exactly what I did to my wife when we watched this episode, she's like, I don't understand what you're so excited about. Drew, what was I so excited about? Um, a, 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 a ninja fight. Ninja fight! In a Daredevil show 
and he was wearing all red. And yep. that is, my friends, the uniform of the Hand, the ninja clan that Daredevil historically goes against. And uh, we are getting the Hand f- shown for the yes. first time in and Daredevil. No, like, yeah, there was a little hinting, maybe leading up to it, previously in the season. Like, you kind of wasn't like, are they going to do it? Yeah, 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 they, yeah, yeah. We're still it's, at a point where we say, are they going to do this? Yeah. When they have clearly shown that, yes, they are. <laughs> It doesn't matter no. where it's the movies or the TV shows. Yeah, they're going to do it. Yeah, um, I was surprised because, the, you know, the show has been fairly street up until this point. Yes. And even though, you know, Nobu's running around doing his uh, his whole, you know, Yakuza business, yeah. we haven't seen any sort of hand dealings yet. Yes, because the hand takes it up to another level. The hand makes well, it an international story yeah. and also aspects of mysticism brought into it. Big time. Um Typically, the, the, the hand ninjas are all, like, essentially zombies, and they bleed green, and when you kill them, they turn to dust. <laughs> like, yeah. it's it's kind of weird, but so here we have Matt facing off against, well, it's Nobu. It's, yeah, it's but, Nobu. But he's in red, and he's it's... He's in, like, the, it's, like, right off the page. Yeah, you do the math, you outfit. know what's going on. Like, it, was, it was so good that I was a little disappointed when I saw the outfits from the hand in season two. Ah. Because well, they weren't, like, the outfit that nobu was wearing. but nobu is clearly of a higher standing yeah he's he's definitely got a higher rank yeah so yeah we're really excited that the hand shows up like 30 seconds of the episode we're losing our ever-loving minds we're excited matt however is having a bad day he's getting his ass kicked matt is <laughs> definitely a little out of his weight class here a little bit um he, he's getting tore up well it's, to be fair he maybe he could keep up uh, in, in a straight up fisticuffs fight, yeah. But Nobu has himself a sword on a chain. Yeah, I'm and, sure it and, has and, like a legitimate name. And dear listeners, if you know the name of this weapon, by all means, yeah, tweet it to us. Weapon Facebook nerds, please. Us, uh, email it to us. Matt's getting cut up. Yeah, that's Matt, gonna, that's Matt's gonna, to uh, to quote to quote my all time favorite comic, The Dark Knight Returns. Uh huh. Matt's getting sliced and diced. Okay, slice and dice. They were also a uh, very lame uh, ninja duo in G.I. Joe uh, in the latter years of the toy line when it was going downhill. Ooh. Slice and dice. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I know. I know. I was there. That's okay. Cobra had a dude who was a boxer. Big Boa. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's, that's a cool gimmick. He was a good character. Someone's got to train these dudes how to fight. That's true, but in a military situation, do you want, like, the guy with the boxing gloves on running at the enemy tank? Here's the thing you have to understand. Everyone had a purpose. You didn't have to have them all in full full combat. Big Boa had, his, had, had a role. His role was to train Cobra right. soldiers okay. on, in hand-to-hand combat. Okay. He wasn't going to be out in the field <laughs> punching things. Now, this episode is has a... And ironically enough, because we have brought up the movie Pulp Fiction numerous times on this show. Yeah. This episode has a very Tarantino feel to it, if you will, because it jumps around chronologically. It does. Because uh, it we, does. We open up at what is essentially the ending of the episode. Yes. And then we jump to Matt sitting on the bench outside of the church. Yep. And then, you know, he asked the priest, uh, hey, is it uh, time for that latte? So then he's, you know, down in the church basement. Drinking a latte, yep, like you do in church, yep. Latte, I like. As a, it's a little thing, it just shows how how well the show pays attention. I like that the church basement looked like an actual church basement. 
I've spent many a time in, in church facilities in my life and it's a little thing and probably not even worth mentioning, but I like that it looked like a church basement. They probably did their homework in the church basement. Yeah, yeah. So Matt Matt's in this episode is really coming to a crossroads. Yeah. He's coming to an ultimate decision on his ethics as Daredevil. And because Matt is a Catholic, he is seeking out the priest's advice on this. And he asks a very poignant question. Do you believe in the devil? And the priest gives him, you know, as as you would expect. We don't get a yes or no answer. We get story time, which yeah. is fine. And we get a surprising answer because you would expect a Roman Catholic priest to say, well, absolutely, yes. I wouldn't no. necessarily, but... My experiences with uh, uh, my, my my Catholic priest teachers in high school, they were all pretty learned guys, and um, I don't think any of them are very literal in their interpretations of the good book. So they're all very analytical and very uh, thoughtful about, you know, analysis and meaning of a translated book throughout centuries. A lot of allegories, a lot of stories, a lot of myths, and, you know, faith is faith. You take it for what it is, and you decide for yourself, and uh, the priest in Daredevil appears to do the same thing, so... Literally, a red demon running around? No. But is the devil out there in taking the form of many different people? Yes. Yeah, we see that the the priest discusses how when he was in seminary, he was more of an academic than a pure faith believer. Right, right, right. Um, and I can, I've known people like this throughout my life. And, you know, there, there are arguments to be made on both sides. I've, you know, I've mentioned on the show before that I profess faith in, in Jesus Christ and it's something that's important to me. So for me, uh, personally, based on you know my faith, based on what I believe, I believe, yes, there is something, there is the devil is out there. Based on everything, you know, how I interpret the Bible, yes, the devil is out there. But I still like the priest's answer here about how he's like, like you mentioned, the interpretation throughout the generations of the text, you know, Satan translate is a word that means adversary. Right, exactly. So it's not necessarily, from his perspective at that time, referring to one entity or individual. Right. But then he tells the story of Rwanda, of what happened, and it proved to him that, like, no, he was wrong. Yes, there is a single entity out there. And he takes the form yeah. of lots the, of different people. Yeah. Um, I thought this. I thought this was a really poignant moment for Matt. Uh, just because, like, as he's starting to question his ethics, maybe he's also starting to question his faith, too. Sure. So, yeah. Well, um, Matt, 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 Matt's a walking contradiction in a lot of ways. So, of course, he's going to have to weigh all that out as yeah. he wages his little mission here. Yeah, I mean, and I like how the priest, how they wrote the priest going about doing this, because I've heard... Like, the, the college I went to was primarily a missionary institution. I've heard numerous stories like this, mm-hmm. of atrocities like this, in, like, real-world situations. So I like that they didn't kind of pussyfoot around it. Sure. So, yeah, I really like the scene. That's that's just me. Um, then we cut to the Nelson and Murdoch offices. And, yeah, Karen, Ben, and Foggy are discussing Fisk and how he got out in front of the story that Ben wanted to run. And, uh... Ben reveals that he got these documents that all point to Fisk doing nefarious things, but he got them from Matt as Daredevil. Yeah. So, 
I've Unfortunately, got, they can't run them because it's all hearsay. They yeah, can't prove evidence, any of it. Evidence is not hearsay. It's right. got to be proven. And the first case of something happening multiple times in this episode, we hear someone is in the wind. In this case, it's Hoffman, the yep. detective who who killed his not Frank Grillo partner. That's correct. Um, also, there's a very poignant line that Ben has in the scene. I think that Matt comes to like, I don't know, on this on this episode, he's like walking down a path and each path. The path is essentially the question, do I kill Fisk? Yes. And his first point of of stopping on the path is the priest. I think his second point of stopping on the path happens here in this office when uh, Yurik says to him, uh, some, was it, some roads you can't come back from. Yes. It's starting to show Matt that, like, obviously it's not something he didn't know, but once you, once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny, consume you will, as it did Obi-Wan's apprentice. Fitting in your Return of the Jedi shirt. Yes. <clears throat> okay, so then we have a meeting, we jump to a meeting between Fisk and Wesley. Now... This 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 part sort of made me smile and it, it amused me a little bit. And I, I think we might have the same reason. I'm curious to, nod to the Godfather. No, 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 no. Okay, not the Godfather. All right, you go ahead first. So they're doing like Wesley saying like your polls are up and all these different demographics. Like you, your number, your numbers are are you're you're polling well. And all I could think was he's a guy who came out in defense of his neighborhood and now we're talking about poll numbers and like all this demographic stuff it reminded me of 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 the penguin running for mayor in batman oh, returns yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah no i could see yeah i could see why okay yeah that's not something i hadn't thought of like, it, i laughed it's just, you know like, yeah why are we getting polling data he's not yeah he's not is wesley gonna hand him a fish next yeah to eat <laughs> <laughs> like he was <laughs> I don't know. Just <laughs> Christopher Walken is so great in that movie. I yeah yeah he's suitably weird Christopher Walken. Yeah, but yeah that's what it, the Godfather. How so with the yes. Godfather? Um, I believe I'm like ninety percent sure this was a reference to the Godfather when Wesley is telling him you know the mayor wants to meet with you for a meal whatnot and Fisk says reject the first place they suggest. Ah yeah yeah. I'm 90% sure that was in The Godfather when you might be right. when Michael is uh, getting ready to meet with uh, Salazzo. Yes, that's correct. And, you know, Sonny says, you know, reject the first play. I think. You might be, I have to do my homework yeah. on that, but I think you might be right. Yeah. Um, it's unclear if they had an old-fashioned toilet with a box and chain, but, you yeah, know, yeah, we didn't get to actually see the place. And just as this conversation is happening, enter Nobu. Yeah, he's Nobu not, is pissed. I have that. I have that here, yeah. Um, he was promised a city block uh, in, in the midst of all this real estate explosion and, and dealings that Fisk has been doing through his various front companies. And unfortunately, he can't get the one he wants because yeah, of Mrs. Cardenas' specific building. one. Yes. And that's the one in the tenement case that Nelson and Murdoch is handling, as you mentioned, Mrs. Cardenas. I should note here that Fisk is still backing down. Yes. He's, he's very, I don't know, what's the, almost like, almost fearful. Do I want to? Do I want to say, at this point, you can't. The Russians were pissed at him. Now Nobu's pissed at him. Adam Gao's pissed at him. I'm having this meeting with the Bobs kind of feeling here, where they're just gonna be like, Wilson, what would you say <laughs> you, you do, do here? here. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm a people person. I have <laughs> skills. It, 
it's a jump to conclusions, man. Yeah, I, like what's what's going on here? Why he's 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 what's he doing? Yeah, um, obviously as we learn in future seasons, which we will eventually get to, Nobu is part of a much bigger. Yes. So what do they need Wilson hanging around for? I I just I don't know. I think because they prefer to stay out of the out of the. The, exactly. They want to the, stay in the, the shadows. Hand, the hand doesn't. The hand likes to move the puppet strings. Okay, fair enough. So fair enough. they don't. You know, they're not the guy who's standing on top of the pile of vanquished heroes with a cape, laughing maniacally. They're they're the ones in the background. Okay, who made that victory possible. So I think that's why they see Fisk as a necessity. So in that using, you could say that in that they're using Fisk. They have a. No pun intended. They have a hand in making the kingpin. Okay, fair enough. And he's, I guess he's got the political contacts and the cops. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, fair enough, but he's still... He's no, no, I get, I get your point. It's a valid one. Uh, Fisk is a little shaky when it comes to dealing with Nobu. I do like the moment between Nobu and Wesley, where Wesley does not translate what nobu said exactly right he's like misrepresent my words again i'll hand you your tongue that was a nice little moment uh there's a very uh there's a very uh poignant line here from fisk that comes into play later in the episode emotion makes men careless ironic coming from him in my opinion at this point yeah but i don't think that up until this point, Fisk has reacted. He has shown emotion, and he has shown extreme emotion at points, but I don't think any of his decisions or actions in pursuit of what he's trying to do have been emotionally based. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, not yet. But the key to the key to Wilson, though, is through his emotions. Yeah. So we find ourselves back at the Nelson and Mur- Murdoch offices. <laughs> we find out that uh, Foggy... Uh, back-channeled, air quotes, Marcy. Uh, phrasing? If phrasing. Are we not doing phrasing anymore? It, it's, um, so. If you're and, watching the current season of Archer, we're trying, but, our, but our, never mind. It's great, it's great though. <laughs> um, so, Foggy says that, and Karen show, shows a little reaction, a little, like, uh, disgust. Well, you know. Once again, Karen sending the mixed signals. Well, they're, they're friends. I mean, you know. Yeah, I know. So, Miss Cardenas comes in and lets the team of Nelson and Murdoch know that uh, Fisk, who is now operating as Fisk, not as the guy who is also in the wind at an island that was purchased for him. Yep, yep. Where they make, you know. Senior Tully. Senior Tully. Fisk has doubled the offer to tenants, and most of the tenants are thinking of taking it. Yep. Miss Cardenas not. And Nelson and Murdoch and Karen encourage her not to take the money. Matt encourages well, her to take the money. At first. Because I have a note here that at says first. Matt losing faith, but still resilient. He's like, it's almost like Matt saying, this isn't the battle that we're going to beat Fisk in. Right. There are going to be bigger battles. And for her own good, she should probably just take the money and move on yeah. someplace else. That would be my advice as well. But Yeah, I I can get that. Like, I get the places you're home, but you're being offered a crap ton of money, which I'm guessing is in high six figures. And frankly, as we find out later on, she has no fa- family or anything. Yeah. Like, get, get out of Dodge, man. Yeah. But 
home is where the heart is and all that business. I get it, I guess. So they discuss in the office that uh, Fisk was seen on TV with a number of people. They're going through, like, who this person is, who that person is. Contractor guys who are in the wind as well, or yep. at least they're, you know, behind. Uh, exactly. As we find out, they're behind security. So, like, Owsley, uh, Owsley's now guarded up. And um, who else was who else was also guarded up? I, I made a note of it. Well, in any case, the people that were with him that are all involved, yeah. they can't get Heavily to. Heavily protected. Yeah, they're all protected now. They also mention a woman who he appeared to be close to, which is, as we know, Vanessa. Yes. And Matt decides to go visit Vanessa, and we cut to the art gallery. That is correct. Now, the art gallery atmosphere has changed a little bit since we last saw it, because now there are numerous security guards all over the place, all yeah. packing as Matt scopes out when he first walks into the place. Yes, indeed. And there's a reason why. So Matt is playing it cool, and he has a conversation with Vanessa saying, you know, people tell me my place sucks. I need some art. Yeah, Matt... I can't see. Help me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Matt's uh, Matt's playing on the blindness again. He's playing off well, and it's you see pretty quickly that Matt and Vanessa have, I don't want to say an instant chemistry, but they, they strike it strike it off well pretty quickly. Uh, because Vanessa, obviously passionate about art, and Matt is, you know, not ignorant of the art world, but like you said, you know, <laughs> the place needs a little spicing up. Yeah. Um, but he tries to, you know woo her in, at least in such a way where he can see says you know tell me about the guy that drives this passion for you yeah so he's trying to get information in you know through very slyly about, about Fisk Fisk. through vanessa and well speak of the devil speak of the devil he shall appear there he is Phil, wilson fisk walks in and matt gets tense and palpably angry but has to compose himself because I think, yes, tense, but also there is a visual intimidation that Matt is kind of showing. Because whereas he has spoken with Fisk, he has never, you know, air quotes, seen Fisk. Right. He's never, never been, been in the face. same presence. Right. And obviously his senses and whatnot are telling him this is a man not to be trifled with. Mm-hmm. So their exchange is very civil. They discuss the case. They're on opposite sides, of course. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, my note here is that Matt seems intimidated, and then I have, you know, mask equals courage, question mark? Maybe. Um, I don't I don't know about that. I think Matt, Matt knows he can't. This is not, this is absolutely not the time or place yeah. or, or, or way to solve the situation. He can't engage in any sort of fisticuff battle with Fisk here. It, it would serve no purpose at all. Yeah. Um, but he clearly is like, this is the guy. I'm in a room with him. I want to do something. I can't. Um, so that's what I mean. He's tense. He's, 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 got, he's, he's bottling up that rage, though, because this is not the time or place. Yeah. So we find ourselves back at the church. Back at the church. Matt returns to the church. And walks right up to the priest. Who is seated in the front. And the priest says, how do you know I was sitting here? Yeah. I think the priest is starting to suspect some things about Matt. Oh, yeah. Um, the priest is also worried about Matt. He was worried about what Matt might do after he left the last meeting. Not necessarily in the specifics 
but the priest, like you said, is kind of starting to get a sense that there is a larger picture going on here. Right. Um, he knows Matt's conflicted about how to handle whatever situation he's dealing with. He's, yeah. He's, he's at a crossroads. Yeah. And like in this conversation, Matt talks more bluntly. A little bit. Like if you could murder the devil, would you? Would you do it? Sure. And Matt starts, to, through his conversation, Matt starts to realize, I'm sure he had an idea of it before, but he starts to realize in a gr- bigger picture how complicated murder is. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And the priest is quick to point out that murder is not in Matt's heart. Well, no. I No, it's not, as we know. And that becomes, as we see time and time again, I don't want to call it a weakness for Matt, but... It, it's a it's a stance that he takes that he has to work very hard to defend. Yeah, and sometimes it becomes hard to defend. It's like Matt is Matt. Matt thinks the ultimate resolution for Fisk is to murder him at this point. He's weighing his options. Yeah, but it seems in this scene he's really looking for a way out of that. Yeah, and he returns to his face to find his faith to find that, even though his faith has already given him the answers. Yeah, very simply. Thou shalt not murder. Sure. Um, but he's still looking for, he's, I think he's trying to build up Fisk to be worse than he is. Cause Fisk is a really bad person. Oh yeah. Fisk is not the devil. Fisk no, is not that level of evil. Not yet. Yeah. But they go back to the office and first some good news. They have a sign. Yay. Yay. Nelson and Murdoch attorneys at law. Yeah, there's a nice little heartwarming scene. Foggy thanks Matt for getting him into the practice. They hug like bros do. They're bros. Bro hug. Bro for life. But then we get some bad news. Yeah. More sources in the wind. Um, but then the phone call comes and... no. Oh. Rest in peace, Mrs. Cardenas. Mrs. Cardenas is dead. She's dead. She's been stabbed to death by a junkie in her building. But... We get a flashback. Well, no, hey. correction. A flash forward. forward yeah. yeah, Tarantino. Whoa. We're, we're, hey. Yeah, we're back to the ninja fight. Uh, and again, and Matt. clearly, Matt cannot keep up with Nobu. No, he's getting he's getting caught up pretty bad. <laughs> Nobu hooks him like a fish. And drags him across the floor. Yeah. Oh. There's oh. such blood loss. Yeah. It's, it's such blood loss. Not good. Not good. And like good. this, this weapon, to describe it, um, as you've seen the episode, if you haven't watched the episode, you know, you're just listening to the show for our charm. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, but yeah, definitely watch Daredevil. Um, the weapon is like, yes, it's a sword on a chain, but the sword also has a protruding hook. Correct. So he swings that sword around Matt's waist and that hook kind of goes right into his abdomen. Yep. And then he gets dragged. Yeah. And that, from what I understand, I have never been stabbed. But from what I understand, that's the most painful place to be stabbed. That's in that's, the in, that's in the meaty guts. Yep. It's going to leave a mark. Yes. So then we flash back. Right. I guess you could say it's flashback, or we'll just say time jump. Sure. Back, and the team, the Nelson and Murdoch team is at Josie's. Drink up. Drowning their sorrows. Um. And who should be on TV but Wilson Fisk? Yeah. They, being asked there's about the a, murder. There's a palpable sense of feeling defeated in this scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fisk is still getting good publicity and calling out Daredevil. I have here that Fisk is a very good actor. Yes. 
Yes. He, he uh, he's he's playing up the sympathy angle. Like I take no, I I mourn this woman. Yeah. I'm so sad for her. It's like, dude, you you, you ordered her killed, man. Yeah. Uh, but he yeah he's in full character mode to get public sympathy on TV. And, and to call we, out Daredevil. As we mentioned earlier, emotions make men careless. Well, yeah, because at this point, Matt is fed up. And he goes home. He opens up the chest. He's got dad Nick dad's knickknacks on yep. top. Takes the takes the top part out of the top out tray, of the chest. The top tray, if you will, and then there's all the gear, his gear. And Matt hits the streets, and not just the streets, he hits faces oh, in the streets. Arms and, and he is You know, it's I've had discussions like this with a lot of people in the past about the the concept of the no, the heroes who don't kill, especially like it, the the conversation usually focuses around Batman and Joker. Sure, I prefer my heroes not to kill. I prefer that too because there it it sets the precedent that there is that line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I get it. Like, where do you where do you stop after yeah. you kill that guy? Why not kill exactly? Yeah, I, I feel you. It, it starts with one. You go down the rabbit hole, and it's. It's all, it's always been something that I really enjoy about the heroes who make that decision not to. Because, you know, obviously you can say in the case of the Joker, how many people would be alive if Batman would just kill the Joker? Right, right, right. Batman kills the Joker. Batman is, becomes the Joker. Kind of. Yeah. So, I know it's, it's a slippery slope. I get it. Yeah. So, but, and like, you know, we don't... Obviously, the heroes that make... Who don't have that you know, moral line. I almost don't want to say more. Well, in, it's a moral case line. Of, in the case of like the Punisher, yeah, it's not a moral line. It's just, that's who Frank is. Frank is a force of nature that just does not stop. See, I, I have a preference for the character. Well, it, it all depends. I love the Punisher. Yeah. I love the Punisher. I yeah. think he's great. I love Matt Murdock. I love Daredevil. I love, and, and to a degree, Batman, like life is not black and white, unfortunately. So we try to do, this is getting very philosophical here. No, but, no, it's uh, what we're here for, man. Like, I want my characters to do better and to have that ideal that, yeah. you know, they don't have to do that. And that, that you know, they can let guys live and incarcerate them and re- rehabilitate them, if you will. Maybe, you know, like yeah. you don't have to take someone's life to make change, I guess. On the flip side, a character like the Punisher, pragmatic, and I, I like that too because you know I, I I'm not advocating for someone like that to be out there. Yeah. But I as a as a reader of that, it's like yeah, I mean shit, it it makes sense. It, it and it's 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 up look, to all of us to kind of weigh all this stuff. Yeah. And I think you know, obviously one is an ideal to be upheld, and the other is more the uh. The, the hidden the hidden thoughts and the darker feelings that maybe we all kind of have and maybe you shouldn't do those things i'm not saying the, the punisher is always presented as a cautionary tale but i mean obviously i don't wish for someone like that to be out there well yeah obviously with with the punisher you have a character who's killing out of anger but then you take a look at maybe the opposite side of the spectrum you look at cap yeah cap is ultimately a soldier he's a soldier and a soldier understands that in war, there are casualties. Sure. So whereas Cap will not purposely try to kill, he will avoid killing if possible. Uh, but he understands that sometimes, like, like if if he's fighting a bunch of Hydra agents 
and he knocks one out of a plane, yeah. he's oh, not yeah. going to go diving after No, him. he threw that guy out. Because he understands, <laughs> you know, you made the decision. Yeah. And I think kind of in the middle of that spectrum is Wolverine. Um, Depends what kind of mood he's in, ultimately. Yeah, that's true. But well, I guess my point is, you know, it, this is all complicated. It, <laughs> it, it really is. And life, man. I mean, life is complicated. Especially in the, the world we live in today, it seems that the... To the decision not to kill is more complicated to defend than the decision to kill because killings, let's face it, killings the easy way out. Sure, sure. But so, we're getting very heavy. All, yeah. I, all I can say is, you know, I prefer people don't, but I can still enjoy reading stories about people who do. <laughs> if that makes any sense at all, I There's don't that know. word again, heavy. Yeah. Is everything in the future have a tense molecular structure? Uh, so where were we? Well, uh, Matt's yeah, pounding Matt's faces. hitting the streets. And he traces down um, the, a junkie. He, f- yeah. he, tra- he tracks down a junkie. Cardenas' killer and sobers him up real quick. He does. And uh, tells him, that fit, you know, where's Fisk? Did Fisk pay you? Yada, yada. They, I, you know, I don't know. They, yeah. they, I, down at the pier, they found me. They told me to do it. Yep. So Matt goes to the pier. And then we're back in the ninja fight. Ninja fights pretty much could take us to the end of the episode. There's a quick aside with Foggy and Karen and at Josie's. I think we can kind of skip that over. It's not a lot really well, going on. Well, basically, Foggy is drunk. They're both drunk. They're both drunk. Karen she, showing she drinks hard. She keeps up with Foggy. Foggy's showing it more, but she kind of sobers up a little bit quick when it, when when, when, it time, when it's time to, to deliver yeah. the soliloquy of the episode. She kind of gets very, very coherent very quickly, but that's yeah. okay. Um but, but yeah, yeah, so we're back at we're back, we're back at, at the pier. Fight. This is where Matt has encountered Nobu, and that begins our fight. And Nobu points out he knows that he was with Stick the night at, at, down at the docks. Yeah. And Matt's saying, "I'm not part of that war." No, but Nobu knows you might you might not be part of the war, but you were trained by Stick. Yeah, and you're my enemy. And Matt begins to realize, as I say again, wearing a Return of the Jedi T-shirt, it's a trap. It's a trap. That's yeah. correct. Uh, Akbar was wise. Yeah. We uh, we learned that Nobu can mask his heartbeat. He can, yes, he can. He's got many ninja techniques that do that. You know who else did that? Storm Shadow. Mm. Yeah. Um. So the fight kind of jumps back to where we left got, off. Yeah, he's got Matt hooked. Nobu gets kind of Matt gets unhooked. Nobu gets pushed into some. Gasoline drums. My, my, no, my notes here are basically Matt gets really, really lucky that there happen yeah. to be cans of gasoline yes. nearby, and then Matt manages to get unhooked, grab one of his batons, throw it at Nobu, who deflects it, it into deflects a Nobu's light chain up into the light, which sparks and then sets Nobu on fire. Matt yes. got really lucky that, yeah. that that all was there. So, in a in a really cool. Um, maybe 10 seconds or so fight choreography. Nobu continues to fight Matt while he is on fire. Yeah. Just really cool uh, visual. And then Nobu falls down. So I'm just going to lie here. And he, he may have wanted to stop, drop and roll before continuing the fight. Yeah. But well, you know, he's dedicated to his craft. He, he is. He, he really is. So at this moment, Fisk makes his appearance and Matt is in no condition to do anything. Nope. It's, nope. it's kind of like that. The, the good old line from Tombstone. 
You going to do something or just sit there and bleed? <laughs> I think if Matt had a choice, he probably would have preferred to just sit there and bleed. Skin that smoke wagon to see what happens. <laughs> Love that movie. That's a great movie. Funko needs to do pops for those. Oh, yeah, I'd buy them. Kurt Russell, mustache, let's go. So Fisk says that, you know, he baited Matt by killing Miss Cardenas. Yep. Uh and they're just kind of bantering back and forth and just gets down to it that Matt says he's here to kill him. Yeah. Matt has made the decision that he is going to kill Fisk. Well, in the moment. Yeah. And very fortunate for Matt that he is in no condition. No, no. To fight Fisk. Because Matt's fighting style, it's kind of like a scalpel, precise, well-trained, knows what to do. Fisk is a wrecking ball. Yep. And in Matt's current condition, he cannot handle it, and Fisk just pounds on him. He does. Uh, and we also get another glimpse of the Kevlar suit yes. that uh, Fisk wears as Matt tries to use uh, Nobu's sword and cut him. No dice. Uh, so Matt's getting beat to death. And uh, now guns are out. They're going to finish Matt off. Matt jumps through the window into the water. That can't be good for, like, you know... Open wounds? Sterilization purposes. No, no. Jumping into the New York waterways? Uh, no. Oh. Yeah. Something's chilled out on my back just thinking about it. Uh-huh. So, yeah, he's probably going to need some Neosporn. Oh, at, at the very least. Yeah. Uh, Fisk tells people to find Matt. Yeah. Obviously, find him. we know they don't. Yeah. Because we cut to Matt's apartment, and Drunk Foggy is pounding on Matt's door... Saying, you know, we got to keep going. We got to, yeah, yeah. We got to take down Fisk for Miss Cardenas. And then he hears a crash in the apartment. Yep. And he goes and he he finds his way in. Now I wouldn't necessarily say the back door, but the upper like, door. Yeah, the upper door. He finds his way in, and as he knows it to be the man in the mask, stumbling into Matt's apartment. Foggy is Matt's blind stick. And, you know, threatens him, then Matt just... Collapses. Hits the floor. Foggy is ready to call 911, but then stops and takes the mat off. Mask mask off off. to reveal Matt. (gasps) And then the credits. (laughs) I'm uh, going to tell you, I'm actually a little bit shocked um, that they they have given us uh, Foggy discovering Matt's identity so soon in the show. Because they did not... Do that. Took a long time. Yeah. Long time. That was, I would say, because Marvel kind of entered a phase post-Marvel Knights launch that we've discussed on the show in the, the early 2000s, when they kind of started dissolve not so much dissolving, but being more realistic with the concept of secret identity. It, 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 they have ebbs and flows. Yeah, like <laughs> Aunt May found out that Peter was Spider-Man. Which I think personally for me added so much to the story. Okay. I think that was a good decision. Um, when did Foggy, in the comics, when did Foggy, to be honest, when slash how? To be honest, in the comics, I don't know <laughs> when Foggy discovered that Matt was uh, Daredevil. But um, Daredevil famously had a storyline written about him where his identity was leaked to the tabloids and everyone knew he was Daredevil, but he could never publicly acknowledge it. And yeah. he, you know, tried to fight back. But, um, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I, I'm just surprised they went they went for it uh, so soon. I figured they would have dragged it out a little bit. But then again, 
It's for the best. I think it's for the best. Yeah, it, I think it makes certain storytelling aspects easier. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's out of the way. Good so episode. Yeah, really good episode. Um, if you have any comments to be made, the dogs. The dogs oh, certainly the dogs. have comments. The dogs are happy. They're like, yes, we agree that this episode is good. If you would like to comment on the episode or send us questions or anything, again, you can reach us on Twitter at Devil's Do Pod. Yes. You can search Facebook for The Devil's Do or Facebook.com slash Devil's Do Pod. Or you can also email us, as many have been doing, yes. at The Devil's Do Pod at gmail.com. Drew, any closing thoughts for us tonight? Um, I don't have any. I'm going to have some Sudafed and uh, let's have a, let's have ourselves a game night. You're going to have some Sudafed and chill, not in the Netflix and chill no, way? No, I'm in no condition for Netflix and chill, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, thank you again for joining us on Devil's Do. We look forward to talking to you next week. Yes. And as we always say, courts adjourned. Courts adjourned.